The Toldus Siren Rebbe used to say over the following Moshal, which I like to begin and open every year Shavavim with this idea. person gets to Shomayim after 120 years of living in this world. And they bring in all the Averis, they bring in all the mitzvahs, and they start weighing it up. And it's looking a little bit shaky, looking like the Averis are tilting towards one side. Until all of a sudden, a double-decker red English bus comes, and this bus is full of men, women, and children. And it lands itself on the side of the scales of the mitzvahs, and boom! The whole side of the scale of the mitzvahs goes all the way down. That's it. Ganadin, he goes. And he's like, hold on a minute. What, 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 what all those mitzvahs? I don't know who these mitzvahs are. I don't even know who these people are. What's this bus doing over here? What's going on over here? So they told him that there was an Arab deep in the Arab section who was putting together a bomb. And this bomb was going to detonate on a very busy bus route, on a bus that was going to be full of men, women and children. And this bus was going to be bombed in a way they found a new method to cause utmost damage. It was going to kill countless men, women and children. And as this Arab was putting the final touches towards finishing this bomb, all of a sudden, the bomb went off in his face. And he immediately died. How did that happen? Because you, they told him in Shemaim, were walking on the street. And as you were walking on the street, there was an inappropriately dressed woman on the other side. And you were tempted you attempted, you know, in the corner of your eye you saw something. And your brain said, give another look. Go, just have a look. And you decided at that moment, I'm not doing it. No. I'm not giving in to my tithes. I'm not giving in to my Yetzirah. I'm not going to look. And at that exact moment, that Arab in the Arab section got killed by the very bomb that he was planning on killing so many people. That bus is full of the men, women and children that survived, that lived, that did mitzvahs, chesed, that learned Torah because of you. You didn't even know about it. So the told us our Rebbe's that's all. We have no idea the power of our actions. We have no idea how far-reaching that which we do in our own private place can affect sometimes places around the world with countless people around the world with rewards as well you know Shavavim as we always say is the time between we have this year extra two weeks is a time of it's a time of tremendous in these and I remember a number of years ago discussing with Agoyne Godel Rebzul Orbach Shlita is this a subject I should discuss in the Beis Medrash, in public? 
maybe this is like a small, you know, you take guys into the office, you discuss, you know, give chizik, a small little vaj or something. Oh, but the mismedrash, found of a whole oilam. And he said to me, avada, 100%. This is what needs to be discussed. This is what you discuss. You know, there are many types of boys in the yeshiva world. There are those that want to learn. There are those that want to shtag. And then you've got those who don't really want to shtag, but they want to want to shtag. And then you have the guys who don't even want to. They have no interest. All across the spectrum of the yeshiva world. I think the very fact that every single one of you came here tonight when you knew what we're going to be discussing and some of the things maybe maybe not tonight tonight we're just going to give it a little bit of introduction into the Nyonim sometimes they're a little bit uncomfortable I've heard this from people in the past maybe it's so uncomfortable why do you have to give the figures why do you have to talk about it in such a but this is the only way and the very fact that you've come to listen to hear to want to try is already mean that we have the ladder against the wall and we just have to climb up the ladder you know there's a lot of people out there when they hear the shmuzin, when they hear about the topic of the shmuz, who probably say, "Me? <laughs> it's not the gate to me. It's not the gate to me. I, 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 Hashem, I'm not. You know, I don't have the." So I would say two things. Number one, you're a liar, and number two, the following: Roshon Shadron Zatzal was once in Borapak, and he's giving the shmuz as he always did. Tremendous, unbelievable magid as he was. He gave shmuz into Klali's soul. He was talking in Borapak. So what did he decide to discuss in Barapak? He decided to discuss Shmiras Shabbos. The Indian of keeping Shabbos. They gave a whole fiery drasha. The oil came and said, Rebbe, after the shit, this Rebbe, seriously, this is, this is Barapak. You don't have to discuss Shmiras Shabbos over here. You want to discuss other inyonim of Shabbos, you know, Tosefah Shabbos, Kedusha Shabbos, I hear, of keeping Shabbos. So Shalom Shalom He said, when there's a fire, the people that come to put out the fire don't just come and put water on the place where the fire is coming from. But they actually spray water everywhere. Even the surrounding houses, the surrounding areas. And the reason for that is when there's a fire, it can spread. And we have to stop the fire. So even if a person would come along and say, it's not Nagaya to me. It's not Nagaya. Which again, I would be very bold to say that I think you're a liar. But if you don't have that, have that mahalak, fine. But when there's a fire going on your side. And when there's a fire, we have to go and make sure that we spread the water everywhere. And that's an important thing. You know, when it comes to the inyanim of Arias, when it comes to looking at various things that we shouldn't, so a lot of people have this idea that, um, you know, it's like a museum. It's like a museum. Look, but don't touch. That's what it says. Right? Look, but don't touch. What did I do? I looked. I, I did something. Never do such a thing. I just looked. At what did I do already? Listen to the Lashon Rambam. The Rambam says in Hilchus Tshuva Halacha Dalet, Hamistakil Barayis Mala Al Daito Shein Bekach Klum. For Rambam. I just looked. What did I do? I typed something in, something came up, I looked, and I switched it off. What did I do already? So the Rambam said, No! Malal Daito, you think he didn't do anything? I, I just looked, I didn't do Hasr Shalom and Avera. No, Hasr Shalom, I, I touched anyone. Hasr Shalom. 
I just looked. So the Rambam, that's why a person often doesn't even do tshuva, says the Rambam for this. That's why it's in Hilchus tshuva in the beginning. Because a person doesn't even do yes to tshuva. What's the big deal? I just looked. I just, I just looked. And people do this all the time. You go past a construction site. And you see the goyim. And a woman walks past with maybe her skirt's a little bit higher than where it should be. And all the construction people. Yes, she has legs. That's how she walked past. She had legs, so she walked past. But I just looked. What's the big deal? What did I do? You know, there was a Russia. There was a Russia who knew how to give a klala to klali saw like nobody else. Bilam HaRosha understood if you want to curse Klal Yisrael, this is how you curse Klal Yisrael. Why? The Gemara Sanhedrin brings it. The God of these, the God of Klal Yisrael hates Zima, he hates it. And therefore the lowest place that a person can be is in this situation. And Bilam understood that if you want to get Klal Yisrael to do an Aveira, this is how we do it. Posik tells us, "Oy sasur achvei levavchem yachvei nechem, achvei nechem zuznus." That's what it means. That the Gemara tells us that the heart and the eyes are the legs of the body. The eye sees, the heart wants, and the guf does an avera. Says the Chinuch in Mitzvah Shin Peizayin that the shoyrish of this mitzvah is hidden. And therefore, if a person is careful from this Aveira, it stops him from doing in Aveira, all Aveiras, his entire lifetime. As I state in the Chinuch. It's the most incredible thing. You know, we'll discuss in the weeks to come. Week by week, we'll discuss a little bit more about different inyanim and the psychology behind the person, what he's thinking. But just to give you an idea, and I think everyone can probably relate to this. What goes on in Lemaisa? When a person is looking at something that he shouldn't be looking at. We'll talk about what causes it. We'll talk about why a person does it. We'll get to it in coming weeks. But just before we get there. You know, when a person is very, very thirsty. You're parched. You're really, really thirsty. You need to drink something. So you take a glass of water. Quenches your thirst. Now I'm not thirsty anymore. What if you're very thirsty and you take very salty water? Very salty water. So for the first few moments that it goes down, it's going to partially quench your thirst because there is liquid there. But it's very, very salty and I need to drink more. That's the problem here. People think, and we'll talk about it more maybe next week, that the psychology is all you have to do is look and you'll be okay. And it will satisfy you and that will be it. But it's not. It's a bit of salty water that the more you drink, the more you need to drink the more you need to look at in order to satiate yourself. Because that is what it is. It's salty water. Says the Rambam Rabbi Rambam. There isn't anything, says the Rambam. Nothing in the entire Torah. That's hard to people. Except, to separating yourself from a race. Asks the priest in Ebenezer Simon Chofhei. There's a steer in the Rambam. Because the Rambam says there's nothing harder 
then people to separate and distance from them arise. But if you look at the end of the Rambam, he says, which I said to him, it's a Gemara, Rubam begezelum yutun by arayas, only a minority are arayas. Rambam, make your mind up, asks the preacher. Is the hardest thing arise or is it stealing? What's going on? Says the preacher, for a person that uses the Avera, for a person that ignites the Yates, the horror, he keeps it going, he keeps looking. For that person, it's the hardest thing in the world. But for a person that separates himself, that person will be able to have much more aslacha. Aaron Stern's that's how the Mashkiach of Kamenitz writes that the hardest part over here is the beginning. The hardest part is the beginning. I know this because I've spoken about this Baruch Hashem for a number of years. And I know so many people, Baruch Hashem, that have listened to Shi'urim from around the world and the emails that I get and the phone calls and the people that I've met. I remember meeting a guy in Lakewood. And he said to me, you should know I heard the series on Shavavim. I heard it, it was difficult for me. But I worked in it, and I worked in it, and I worked in it, and he told me this. It wasn't an email, it wasn't a phone call, I met the guy. And he said to me, you should know, it's easy now. It was hard in the beginning. It was Gehenim. But I did it. It's the hardest thing in the beginning. Ravosna was written, someone wrote a letter to Ravosna Tatal. They said, I don't understand. Hazal tell us that the Torah... Is the biggest remedy for any Avera. I learned Torah the whole time. Why am I still busy with this Avera? If I'm learning Torah, and Torah is the tavlin, Torah is the remedy, Torah is the medicine. So what's going on? Why am I not getting a recovery? And the Vosna said, because you're still busy with the Avera. Calls man, you're busy with the Avera. Torah is not going to help you. It's only when you detach. And that's what we're going to try and do. Be'ez HaShem in the coming weeks discuss so much about this. To realize what's going on. To realize what it is. To realize how bad it is. How it can affect you. Your future generations. Your family. Your wife. Your children. And Be'ez Hashem will talk about the advantages as well. You know. The average person. The average person. Looks at his phone. About 160 times a day. I don't know if you, know if you ever made a count. But make a count. Right? Not now, Baruch Hashem, we have a program, so guys are outside. But in a normal situation, people check the phone about 160 times a day. Now, by the way, that's around every six minutes. Right? People have this urge, right? just the urge, just to make sure that there's, you know, there's no status that's unread on his phone. Right? It's a, it's a big uh, Yetzirah. Right? Every six minutes, that's how it is. Now, if you live, Be'ez HaShem, you live to 120, but let's say you live to 90 years old. Right? Look back at your life, and you say... A third of the life you slept sleeping. And a third of your life you had a relationship with a machine. That's pretty much what's going on with your phone. You know, I remember I said this last, it's a Gavaldagi Yisoyed. But it's so true. When I was in upstate New York, Daniel, remember this? When I was upstate New York and they took me to this ice cream store. So again, us English people don't have these big asogas of ice cream stores. And ice cream is ice cream of America. Kenaina Hara. Ah, Baruch Hashem. You bought a weighing machine just for the ice cream. Right? You fill up with whatever you want and then weigh it. This doesn't exist in England. It doesn't exist. What can I tell you? It exists in America. Every flavor coming out of the wall with every topping. It's the most unbelievable thing in the world, right? The English people are like, really? Such a thing exists? It's unreal. This is America, Rabbi Isai. Okay, there's also a few steaks there as well. But the Maisa, there's an ice cream store. And when I was there, it's such an interesting thing. Can you imagine taking somebody there? You can offer him any flavor that he wants. Any topping. Any type of cone. Any type of sprinkling and fruit. Whatever he wants. 
He can have everything. No, what do you want? Um, can I have some vanilla, please? Oh, come on. Seriously? I brought you here for a vanilla ice cream? That's not what you're here for. Choose something geschmack. Because I don't know anything else. I only tasted vanilla ice cream. You know what the problem is? When a person doesn't realize what a life looks like without having to depend on looking at the things that he shouldn't, then he just has vanilla ice cream. His life is boring because he's dependent on something and someone else. Whereas if a person realizes that he's able to break free, he's able to be himself, and he's able to enjoy life without pressing those buttons and looking on the screen, he has a much more satisfying and happy life. I just want to tell you a couple of statistics. We mention this every year, but I think it's important. I think it's important just to put into perspective what we're dealing with and what we're up against. I'm telling you the statistics here because we should know what we're up against. We're talking about a mulchama, we're talking about a fire, we're talking about a war that we have to fight here in the Beis Medrash. And week after week, Be'ez HaShem, we're going to try to delve into the subject. The worldwide pornography sale around the world is up to 97 million dollars, billion dollars, I'm sorry, with a B. 97 billion dollars. There are over 420 million pages on the internet dedicated to pornography, and every 39 minutes a new pornography video is created. 35% of all internet downloads are related to pornography. 2.5 billion emails sent or received actually contain pornography. Dr. Jeffrey Satinova of Princeton University said, and this is in the year 2013, he said in regards to pornography, that it's although we have devised a form of heroin a hundred times more powerful than ever before, usable in the privacy of one's own home and injected directly into the brain through one's eyes. This is a guy speaking over here about what this does and how it penetrates into your gut, into your body, into your heart, into your brain, just through the small glaze of your eyes. You know, and people think, it's fine, I'm going to get married soon. And when I get married, everything's going to be great. And all my problems will be solved, right? Uh Uh-uh, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. As Rabbi Tversky wrote, that if a person has this issue and doesn't work on it now, marriage only makes it worse, not better. (coughs) And I can tell you that from the emails that come in, without going into detail, of people, many, 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 many of them married men who have wives who are permitted to them but they're suffering and suffering and suffering and it causes not only suffering to them but suffering to their relationship and to their marriage and to their children and to future generations again, which we will discuss in future weeks. Rebelli Lopianza Tzal said the following marshal he said that there was a wolf that got hold of a Shepsa little sheep and was trying to dig its claws into the little Shepsa into the sheep because this wolf was hungry. And the wolf finally managed, after a lot of a struggle and screaming on both ends, the sheep was screaming out and the wolf was, was barking, till finally the wolf managed to hop the Shepsa in a death lock with its neck being tightly put by the claws of the actual wolf. And there was silence. 
Why was there silence? Because the little shepsilla, the little sheep understood that one move and it's dead. They can't move. It's in a death lock. So we're in a generation that it's a bit quiet. But we're in a death lock. The Sotan, the Yetzirah, has us in a death lock. One move and we're dead. Spiritually. We have to, we have to shout. We have to scream. We have to do something about it. And let me end, Rabbi said, today's just introduction. Just an introduction today. With one Gavaldi Yisoyed for the Kajan Samagid. Where the Kajan Samagid said, a Moshe which I've said many times. And he said there was a famous carpenter that designed the most beautiful, beautiful furniture, handmade, exquisite furniture. And such a carpenter made the most beautiful piece and sold it on an auction for millions of dollars to a very wealthy person. And this person bought it to put it in the dining room and put his fancy jewelry and watches and diamonds there as a display case. It was beautiful. The ways of the world changed and the wheels of fortune changed and this very wealthy fellow lost all of his money and the bank came to take away much of his possessions. And one of the things he took away was this beautiful piece of furniture. And they put it on the van and he went from one place to another place to another place and as it was going it got a bit chipped and it got a bit cracked and it got a bit smushed. And by the time it reached its final destination it wasn't worth much money and eventually it was sold to a shoemaker to display his shoelaces. And this incredible designer was once in Vienna and he was walking on the street and his shoes, his shoelace snapped. And he went to someone, excuse me, where can I get a shoelace from? Oh, down the street, corner, turn right over there, there's a guy over there. He goes in over there and he sees to the shock of his life, he sees this most beautiful piece, he recognized it, this was the piece that I built. I designed, I built this with my very two hands. This is not what it looked like. It was gorgeous when I made it. It was beautiful. Now it's all bent and cracked and chipped. It's not worth anything. So the Koshnitzamagit, the Rabbi Shulam gave us the most beautiful neshama, clean, tahar, and ready to go back to the Kisa I covered after 120 years. Before it came down to this world, it was mamish so clean and sparkly. Our job is to clean it up, to make sure that when we do return it, we return it with its original worth and its original beauty. Be'ez Hashem tomorrow, part next week, part two.